Welcome to the library, dear listener. Please, take a seat. I have a story for you. Settle in. This is The Sign of the Four by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle. Chapter 5. The Tragedy of Pondicherry Lodge. It was nearly 11 o'clock when we reached the final stage of our night's adventures. We had left the damp fog of the great city behind us, and the night was fairly fine. A warm wind blew from the westward, and heavy clouds moved slowly across the sky. With half a moon peeping occasionally through the rifts, it was clear enough to see for some distance, but Thaddeus Sholto took down with the side lamps from the carriage to give us a better light upon our way. Pondicherry Lodge stood in its own grounds, and was girt round with a very high stone wall topped with broken glass. A single, narrow, iron-clamped door formed the only means of entrance. On this, our guide knocked with a peculiar postman-like rat-tat. Who is there? It is I, McMurdo. (laughs) Surely you know my knock by this time. That you, Mr. Thaddeus? But who are the others? I had no orders about them from the master. No, McMurdo? You surprise me. I told my brother last night that I should bring some friends. He ain't been out of his room today, Mr. Thaddeus. And I have no orders. You know very well that I must stick to regulations. I can let you in, but your friends must just stop where they are. This is too bad for you, McMurdo. If I guarantee them, that is enough for you. There is the young lady, too. She she cannot wait in the public road at this hour. Very sorry, Mr. Thaddeus. Folk may be friends of yours, and no friends of the masters. It pays me well to do my duty, and my duty I'll do. I don't know none of your friends. Oh, yes, you do, McMurdo. I don't think you could have forgotten me. Don't you remember the amateur who fought three rounds with you at Allison's rooms on the night of your benefit four years back? Not Mr. Sherlock Holmes. God's truth. How could I have mistook you? Instead of standing there so quiet, you just stepped up and given me that crosshead of yours under the jaw. I'd have known you without a question. Ah, you're one that has wasted your gifts, you have. You might have aimed high if you joined the fancy. (laughs) You see, Watson, if all else fails me, I still have one of the scientific professions open to me. Our friend won't keep us out in the cold now, I am sure. Any come, sir, any come. You and your friends. Very sorry, Mr. Thaddeus, but orders are very strict. Had to be certain of your friends before I let them in. Inside, a gravel path wound through desolate ground to a huge clump of a house, square and prosaic, all plunged in shadow save where a moonbeam struck one corner and glimmered in a garret window. The vast size of the building, with its gloom and its deathly silence, struck a chill to the heart. Even Thaddeus Sholto seemed ill at ease, and the lantern quivered and rattled in his hand. I cannot understand it. 
There must be some mistake. I distinctly told Bartholomew that we should be here. And, and yet there is no light in his window. I do not know what to make of it. Does he always guard the premises in this way? Uh, yes. He has followed my father's custom. He, he was the favorite son, you know. And, uh, I sometimes think that my father may have told him more than he ever told me. Th that is Bartholomew's window up there, where the moonshine strikes. It is quite bright, but there is no light from within, I think. None. But I see the glint of a light in that little window besides the door. Ah, that is uh, the housekeeper's room. This is where old Mrs. Burnstone sits. She can tell us all about it. But um, perhaps you would not mind waiting here for a minute or two, for if we all go in together, if she has no word of our coming, she may be alarmed. But hush, what is that? He held the lantern, and his hands shook until the circles of light flickered and wavered all around us. Miss Morstan seized my wrist, and we all stood with thumping hearts, straining our ears. From the great black house, there sounded through the silent night the saddest and most pitiful sounds. It is Mrs. Burnstone. She's the only woman in the house. Wait here. I shall be back in a moment. Our guide left us the lantern. Holmes swung it slowly round and peered keenly at the house and at the great rubbish heaps which cumbered the grounds. Miss Morstan and I stood together, and her hand was in mine. A wondrous subtle thing is love, for here were we two who had never seen each other before that day, between whom no word or even look of affection had ever passed. And yet now, in an hour of trouble, our hands instinctively sought for each other. I have marveled at it since, but at the time it seemed the most natural thing that I should go out to her so, and, as she often told me, there was in her also the instinct to turn to me for comfort and protection. So we stood, hand in hand, like two children, and there was peace in our hearts for all the dark things that surrounded us. What a strange place. It looks as though all the moles in England had been let loose in it. I have seen something of the sort on the side of a hill near Ballarat, where the prospectors had been at work. And from the same cause. These are the traces of the treasure seekers. You must remember that they were six years looking for it. No wonder that the grounds looked like a gravel pit. <laughs> There is something amiss with Bartholomew. I am, I am frightened. My nerves cannot stand it. Come into the house. Yes, yes, do. I really do not feel equal to giving directions. God bless 
your sweet, calm face. It does me good to see you. Oh, but I have been sorely tried this day. Now, now, it's all right. Just take a deep breath and tell us what happened. Master has locked himself in and will not answer me. All day I have waited to hear from him, for he often likes to be alone. But an hour ago I feared that something was amiss, so I went up and peeped through the keyhole. You must go up, Mr. Thaddeus. You must go up and look for yourself. I have seen Mr. Bartholomew Sholto in joy and in sorrow for ten long years, but I never saw him with such a face on him as that. Sherlock Holmes took the lamp and led the way, for Thaddeus Sholto's teeth were chattering in his head. So shaken was he that I had to pass my hand under his arm as we went up the stairs, for his knees were trembling under him. Twice as we ascended, Holmes whipped the lens out of his pocket and carefully examined marks which appeared to me to be mere shapeless smudges of dust upon the coconut matting which served as a stair carpet. He walked slowly from step to step, holding the lamp and shooting keen glances to the right and left. Miss Morstan had remained behind with the frightened housekeeper. The third flight of stairs ended in a straight passage of some length, with a great picture in Indian tapestry upon the right of it and three doors upon the left. Holmes advanced along it in the same slow and methodical way, while we kept close at his heels, with our long black shadows streaming backwards down the corridor. The third door was that which we were seeking, Holmes knocked without receiving any answer, and then tried to turn the handle and force it open. It was locked on the inside, however, and by a broad and powerful bolt, as we could see when we set our lamp against it. The key being turned, however, the hole was not entirely closed. Sherlock Holmes bent down to it and instantly rose again with a sharp intaking of the breath. There is something devilish in this, Watson. What do you make of it? I stooped to the hole and recoiled in horror. Moonlight was streaming into the room, and it was bright with a vague and shifty radiance, looking straight at me and suspended, as it were, in the air, for all beneath was in shadow. There hung a face, the very face of our companion Thaddeus, there was the same high, shining head, the same circular bristle of red hair, the same bloodless countenance. The features were set, however, in a horrible smile, a fixed and unnatural grin, which in that still and moonlit room was more jarring to the nerves than any scowl or contortion. So alike was the face to that of our little friend that it looked round at him, to make sure that he was indeed with us. Then I recalled to mind that he had mentioned to us that his brother and he were twins. This is terrible. What is to be done? The door must come down. We found ourselves within Bartholomew Scholto's chamber. It appeared to have been fitted up as a chemical laboratory. A double line of glass-stoppered bottles was drawn up upon the wall opposite the door, and the table was littered over with Bunsen burners, test tubes, and retorts. In the corner stood carboys of acid and wicker baskets. 
One of these appeared to leak or to have been broken, for a stream of dark-colored liquid had trickled out from it. And the air was heavy with a peculiarly pungent tar-like odor. A set of steps stood at one side of the room, in the midst of a litter of lath and plaster, and above them there was an opening in the ceiling large enough for a man to pass through. At the foot of the steps, a long coil of rope was thrown carelessly together. By the table, in a wooden armchair, the master of the house was seated all in a heap, with his head sunk upon his left shoulder, and that ghastly, inscrutable smile upon his face. He was stiff and cold, and had clearly been dead many hours. It seemed to me that not only his features, but all his limbs were twisted and turned in the most fantastic fashion. By his hand upon the table there lay a peculiar instrument, a brown, close-grained stick with a stone head like a hammer, rudely lashed on with coarse twine. Beside it was a torn sheet of notepaper with some words scrawled upon it. Holmes glanced at it and then handed it to me. You see? The sign of the four. In God's name, what does it all mean? It means murder. Ah, I expected it. Look here. It looks like a thorn. It is a thorn, and you may pick it out, but be careful, for it is poison. I took it up between my finger and thumb. It came away from the skin so readily that hardly any mark was left behind. One tiny speck of blood showed where the puncture had been. This is all an insoluble mystery to me. It grows darker instead of clearer. On the contrary, it clears every instant. I only require a few missing links to have an entirely connected case. The treasure is gone! They have robbed them of the treasure. There is the hole for which we lowered it. Uh, I helped him to do it. I was the last person who saw him. I left him here last night. Uh, and I heard him lock the door as I came downstairs. What time was that? It was ten o'clock. And now he is dead. And the police will be called in. And I shall be suspected of having had a hand in it. Oh, yes. I am sure I shall. But you don't think so, gentlemen. Surely you, you don't think that it was I? Is it likely that I would have brought you here if it were I? Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I know that I shall go mad. You have no reason for fear, Mr. Sholto. Take my advice and drive down to the station to report this matter to the police. Offer to assist them in every way. We shall wait here until you return. And that is all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us. If you would like, the Tea Room is open for you on Patreon. You'll get each episode early and always ad-free. 
Today's episode featured the talents of Joshua as Sherlock, Paul as Watson, Shane as McMurdo, Robin as Mary, Maddie as Mrs. Burnstone, and Mihai as Thaddeus Sholto. Their links will be in the description. Until next week, take care, and we'll see you soon.